Well, good morning. My name is Jacob Smith, and I'm the teaching pastor over at our Southwood campus, uh, but I am so excited to be with you this morning. Uh, our, our beloved senior pastor, Brian Fisher, is, is disappointed that he couldn't be with you this morning. Uh, he and Tristy have been dealing with some, some health issues in their family. Brian's sister was in the ICU this week, if you weren't aware, um, and just sort of has, has had some issues. She's had some good improvement over the last few days, uh, but not out of the woods. And so if you would just consider keeping the Fisher family in your prayers, praying for their strength, for their peace, uh, and for Cheryl's healing, for Brian's sister, for her healing, um, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, but I'm excited to be with you this morning, and I'm excited to essentially open up uh, what I hope is a really foundational passage for us as followers of Jesus Christ. We're gonna be in 2 Timothy chapter one this morning. If you have your Bible and wanna turn there, if you wanna go there in your phone. But 2 Timothy chapter one is really kind of setting the foundation. I love that we sang firm foundation this morning because that's, that's really what we're focused on is how God is our foundation and how he has actually equipped us with the foundation of his grace and of his gifts for his purpose. And this is really important for us, I think, especially at the beginning of a new year, to remember where we're from and where we're going, right? Th those are key questions that a lot of us are used to hearing and maybe even asking of, where, where are you from and where are you going? It's something I experienced as a freshman at Texas A&M University, a whoop, uh, class of 2010. Oh, okay, we don't have any at Southwood, so I'm so glad I finally found my people. But when I was a freshman at Texas A&M University, uh, I quickly learned that every single conversation, every single like interaction and meeting someone always really came down to these key questions of where are you from, where are you going? Granted, in that sense, you know, in that context, we would always ask, well, where are you from and what's your major? And eventually, over and over and over again, you just, you get used to giving the right answers to those pivotal questions. People would ask, where are you from? And there'd be, you know, a lot of people at A&M if you're not aware, are from Houston or Dallas or maybe Austin, San Antonio. And if you, what people learned is that if you weren't from one of those places, uh, that you really just had to tie your location to one of those places. So if someone said, where are you from? You said, oh, I'm from Duncan Smith, Powkerville. And they were like, where's that? And you'd say, well, it's you know, an hour from Tyler. And no one knew what that meant. So they're like, oh, it's like four hours from Dallas. They'd be like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, now I get it. And so... Every single person, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm Denver. It's like 12 hours from Dallas. Like, oh, okay, okay. Okay, now I got it. Uh, it just helped frame for everyone where you were from. And people would always ask, what's your major? Like, what are you majoring in? Where are you headed in life? And what I learned is that, you know, a lot of majors had certain connotations attached to them. I started at Texas A&M as an accounting major. It, yeah, exactly. There's a few of us, the strong, the proud, the accountants. Uh, and we would always, or what I would find is that myself and my, my freshman roommate, we and I were both accounting majors, and when we would tell people, oh, I'm majoring in accounting, you just kind of saw the eyes like glaze over. Like, oh yeah, credits, debits, assets, cool. Like, I'm gonna go find someone else to tell you. Like, they, they didn't always wanna hang. And so what my roommate and I have quickly discovered is that one, about midway through our, our first week at school, as we would tell people we were in accounting, they'd be like, oh, okay. And so we shifted gears. And when someone would ask us, like, oh, what are you, what are you majoring in? We'd be like, well, actually, we've actually already graduated from Texas A&M University. We're employees, and we are going through a typical freshman year experience as a part of an internal auditing process. <laughs> they'd be like, oh, my goodness. 
really? Be like, no, uh, I'm in accounting. And they'd be like, okay, I gotta go, right? That's, but every once in a while, there were a few people we, I think we told that to that we never saw again. Uh, and they probably just to this day think that A&M has incredible quality assurance for their freshmen uh, here at the university. But we quickly learned, right, I quickly learned that these are foundational questions. These are foundational questions that we carry even past college, like past education. You, you meet someone in town, they're like, oh, like, where are you from? You got family in town? Or, oh, what do you do for work? And, and these are foundational questions that we appreciate as people because we understand that we're creating a trajectory, right? That's what these questions do. They're two data points that give us a trajectory for where someone is headed because we understand the value of preparing for a purpose. We know that that's really important. And so for us as believers, we need to recognize that God has designed us in this way. This isn't by accident that these questions resonate with us. It's that God has designed us to value and appreciate preparing for a purpose. God cares about our trajectory. And that's why this morning we're looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to one of his disciples, Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, what Paul is going to do is he's actually going to lay out the foundation that God has given to Timothy. He's going to lay out the way that God has prepared Timothy for a specific purpose. And my hope is that as we learn about this incredible biblical leader, Timothy, that it would, in fact, help us examine and determine what is God's design for our own lives. Because God has one. He has a design and a destination in mind for every single one of us. And so hopefully as we learn about Timothy, it'll, it'll shed light on how God is equipping us. And so as we read through 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to see kind of these three key areas that Paul focuses on as he's describing the way that God has prepared Timothy for a purpose. He's going to talk about the people that God has surrounded Timothy with. He's going to talk about the gifts that God has bestowed upon Timothy. And then he's going to talk about the ultimate goal of Timothy's life and ministry. So if you read with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're starting in verse 3. And Paul says this. He says, I'm thankful to God whom I have served with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. When I remember you in my prayers as I do constantly day, night and day. So Paul is opening this letter to Timothy with, with affirmation, with love and compassion. Paul's saying, I remember you and I'm praying for you. We learn in Acts 16 that Timothy came from a blended home where his father was Greek and his mother was Jewish. And so Timothy, though, through his family, learned about Jesus Christ and he learned about the power of Jesus to save, specifically from his mother and his grandmother, which we'll see here in a moment in this letter. But but Paul became essentially to Timothy almost his, his spiritual father. And Timothy and Paul, once they got connected, Timothy accompanied Paul on a number of his missionary journeys until eventually Paul realized that Timothy's calling wasn't just to continue with Paul alongside of him, even though Paul would have loved that. Instead, Paul realized that God was calling Timothy to serve and lead at a church in Ephesus. So Paul left Timothy in Ephesus, and he wrote these letters, 1st and 2nd Timothy, to Timothy while he was pastoring and leading that young church, that young congregation. But even, uh, even though they were apart, even in absence, Paul says, I'm remembering you, and I'm praying for you, and, and, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm praying that you are filled with, with joy and peace, and I'm filled, that you're filled with strength, knowing that God has called you to this purpose. He says, and as I remember your tears, verse 4, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And I recall your sincere faith that was alive first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm sure is in you as well. 
Paul makes a statement that's a little interesting, right? He says, I remember your tears, and I want to see you so that I can be happy, like so that I can be filled with joy. And Paul's not saying that, oh, I just love watching you cry because it's hilarious, right? That's not what he's getting at. Paul's essentially, he's, he's reminding Timothy of the intimacy and the depth of their relationship with one another. Paul says, Timothy, I, I long to be with you. I remember struggling and striving and working alongside of you. And Timothy, I, I wish, if it were up to me, we would be together again, serving alongside of one another. He says, but I also remember the sincere faith that you have. Timothy, it didn't come just from you. Like, it didn't originate in, in your heart and your mind. Instead, he says, Timothy, I want you to remember that you are a part of a legacy of faith. So that's what's so incredible about the story of Timothy is that, that he didn't just stumble upon this Jesus guy and then decide oh, for himself, like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Instead, Timothy was the product of faithful women in his life. He was the product of his mother and his grandmother who had a sincere faith that they instilled within Timothy as well. And this is something for all of us to remember, that, that all of us, we have some origin point, right? We're all from somewhere. We're all from something. And even though some of us maybe don't come from a family that instilled faithfulness to Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our minds, we have to remember that God is not accidentally just like, oh, gosh, that's where you were? Oh, my goodness. Like, God has designed our origin with a, his purpose in mind. He doesn't make mistakes. And we need to remember that we all, we need people, that we all have that origin point. I remember one of the best pieces of marriage advice that my wife and I received. My wife and I have been married for 13 years now, uh, but as we were preparing to be, get married, we were, with a, we were meeting with a couple here at Anderson, uh, and one of the things they told us off book as we were talking through marriage and you know, different big topics, we, we got to this issue of in-laws, right? And it's a really important subject to talk through. Like, hey, what does your relationships look like with your families, even as you're starting this new family with one another? And maybe a lot of us had, an ex had, had the opportunity to experience that extended family over the break, like over Christmas and New Year's. Maybe we spent time with, with these family members or with our in-laws. And I remember that this couple, what they told Susan and I, they said, look, what you need to remember is that there can be strife and struggle when it comes to these extended family relationships. There can be strife and struggle when it comes to your relationship with your in-laws. But what you need to remember is that you can always be thankful for your in-laws. You can always be thankful for them. Why? because they produced your favorite person in the whole world. And maybe they're not perfect, maybe there's frustrations, maybe there's conflicts, and, and maybe you know, there's other influences in your spouse's life as well, beyond just their parents, but goodness gracious, parents have a huge role to play. And so you can always be thankful for that heritage that your spouse comes from. You can always be thankful for your in-laws. I was like, yes, I will remember that always. And it's easy, my in-laws are great. Uh, this is what I say on stage. Um, but no, they're really great. <laughs> but we can always be thankful and remembering that God has designed our origin with a purpose. That God doesn't make mistakes. It's not happenstance. It's not chance. It's not just a genetic lottery. That God has, in fact, instilled within us this, this heritage for lessons that we learn that are great and lessons that we learn that are hard. But what Paul's reminding Timothy of is he says, look, you need people. You came from a line of people, and you continue to need people. That's why he reminds Timothy of their relationship with one another. He says that, that we have to, we join together for this purpose of serving the Lord, of proclaiming the gospel, because neither one of us could just do it on our own. That's why we have this depth. That's why we cry together. That's why we work together. That's why we serve alongside of one another. And it's still true for all of us. We all need people. 
We need people in our lives. We need to lean upon the giftings and abilities of one another. That's why God describes the church as the body of Christ. Paul talks about how some of us are ligaments and some of us are eyes and some of us are feet and some of us are ears and we have different giftings and abilities and passions and desires that God has instilled within us so that we would come together for the sake of his gospel. We need one another. Over the break, my wife and I decided uh, that we were going to load up our family. We've got three little kids, ages six or eight, six, and four. And we decided we were going to load everyone up, and we were going to go to Nashville, Tennessee. Because I was officiating a wedding up there, and we were like, it's going to be really fun. We'll take the whole crew. We, we knew the couple really, really well, friends of the family. And so the kids were going to enjoy it. We're like, this is going to be great. And we, but we decided to drive. And so that's, you know, that's as far as, you know, according to the Google bird, like it's about 12 hours from College Station, in case you didn't know. But, you know, with three little kids, it's like, I don't know, 57 hours. And so, uh, but we were like, this is going to be great. And so we, we made this decision. We were going to load them all up. Uh, and as we were leading up to the day, like, I personally, I, I'm more of the mindset of, like, look, let's, like, throw some clothes in the bag, and then we'll just, like, get there. And, you know, if we, like, are, if we're missing something, like, eh, we'll just buy it at Walmart, like, when we get there. It'll be fine. They've got Walmarts in Nashville, right? Like, or Piggly Wigglies or something. Like, It'll be fine. Uh, but thank the Lord. And even as I say that, some of you are already stressed out. Like some of you are like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Even though you know I'm back, you know I survived it. You're like, that, that, that's not, that doesn't work. And thankfully, my wife is just like you. Uh, and my wife is gifted in planning and preparing. And so my wife was like, look, we need a system. And so she had bags for certain nights because we were, you know, split up the drive. We stayed in different places. She's like, this bag's for that place and this bag's for that place. And we're getting snacks and we've got all these things and, you know, books and DVDs. And, and she was like, I, I went ahead and placed in a grocery pickup order for us in Nashville. So then when we get there, we'll get the groceries and take them to the Airbnb. I was like, whoa. Praise the Lord for you. <laughs> and it was amazing that I leaned upon her gifting and her ability and in our interdependence with one another as a married couple, we, God, God did better things, right? Because we were together, because he's gifted us differently. And every single one of us, we need other people because we need to lean upon the giftings and abilities of one another. We, none of us are self-sufficient. And yet what is difficult about that, it's easy to say, but difficult to do, to foster and to cultivate those relationships because our lives get so full of responsibilities. And those responsibilities always struggle with our relationships. Our lives can feel so full because we have all this stuff at work or all this stuff with school or all this stuff with, you know, these you know, two friends or whatever. And we, we've got all these responsibilities that mount up. And so we get to home at the end of the day. We're like, gosh, my life is full. Like, I've got all these things. My calendar is, is, is just completely planned out. But what can happen is that even as we feel so full in life with all of our responsibilities, that we are relationally starved. And so it's important for us as followers of Jesus Christ to remember that Jesus has designed us to need one another, that God has built us to need one another. When Jesus sent his disciples out to do the work of ministry, he didn't send them isolated. He didn't send them one by one. He sent them at least two by two. He always sent them out in, in community with one another so they could use the giftings and abilities that God has given them, the diversity that God has built within his body. It's important for us to not just recognize, but to use. And so my encouragement for us this year is that we would find our people. Find our people. 
And some of us, maybe we've got that lockdown. We're like, yes, I'm in a community group, or I'm in a Bible study, or I've got these friends that we, you know, we get on a call once a week, and that's awesome. That's great. And I would encourage you to lean into and, and really shore up those relationships this year. For others of us, though, we don't have that. We don't have trusted men or women that, that we can turn all the lights on with, that we trust, that, that we can walk alongside of, that we can follow Jesus together. So I would encourage you to find those people. And there's opportunities here within Grace, here at Anderson. I mean, Nancy talked about it a little bit earlier. You can go through our website. You can sign up for small groups. You can, you can join a, a Bible study. We've got options in the mornings and the evenings on just about every day of the week. We would love to, to create opportunities for you to find these people, to lean upon them, to encourage one another, to challenge one another in our pursuit of God's goal for our life. Timothy had these people. He also was given incredible gifts. This is what Paul reminds him of in verse 6. If you'll read with me. Paul says, Because of this, I remind you to rekindle God's gift that you possess through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So Paul's reminding Timothy of a moment that they had that we don't have recorded in detail, but a moment where Paul pulled Timothy aside, probably in, in, in a group of other believers, and they laid hands on Timothy. And this wasn't a time where they were bestowing upon Timothy these gifts. They weren't, this wasn't a transfer of gifts. Instead, it was a recognition of the gifts that God's Spirit gave to Timothy from the Lord himself. Right, it's the same way that it works when you graduate from a high school or a college. Like when you graduate from high school, uh, they hand you a diploma. And it's not that that diploma suddenly transfers all the information you need into your mind. It's like, who's the 22nd president of America? Oh, Grover Cleveland. Like, that's not how it works. Instead, it's a recognition of the knowledge and the training that you've already received. In the same way, Paul says, we laid hands on you and we recognized the gifts that God has given to you. Through his spirit, his spirit, not of fear, but his spirit of power and love and self-control. And Paul talks a lot about these gifts, these spiritual gifts, especially in his letters to the Corinthians, to the church in Corinth, where he talks about, look, you've all been gifted and equipped in different ways. And we don't have one singular comprehensive list of all, list of all these gifts, but we have them scattered throughout the New Testament. These, these, these gifts of uh, spiritual gifts of hospitality or, or of teaching uh, or of faith. And the Lord has told us that we have all been given. If we've put our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, not only are we adopted into the family of God, not only are we receiving eternal salvation, but we are also given special spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts that are meant by the Lord to be used by his people for the building up of his, for the building up of his body. That's what spiritual gifts are. They're gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit that we would use them to build up the body, that we would encourage and challenge one another, that we would go and we would evangelize to the lost. That's what God has given to every single one of us. We have abilities and talents and gifts. We have passions and desires. God has given us all of these different gifts so that we would use them for his purposes. Paul says, Timothy, don't forget God has not only surrounded you with amazing people, but Timothy, God has given you unique, specific gifts for his purposes, for his mission of proclaiming the gospel, of making disciples of all people everywhere. And this is true for all of us. 
And Paul says, Timothy, in, in the midst of all these gifts, I want you to remember the greatest gift, right? If you read with me a little bit further on in verse 8, he says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, a prisoner for his sake, but by God's power, accept your share of suffering for the gospel. He says, Timothy, you're going to need to be grounded in the gifts of God because you're going to receive suffering. Timothy, life isn't going to be easy. Just because you're a part of God's mission doesn't mean that your life is going to be smooth and without trouble. It says, in fact, you will, you will receive suffering. You're going to have a share of suffering in your pursuit of proclaiming the gospel. He says, but he is the one. Timothy, remember that he, the Lord, verse 9, is the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not based on our works, but on his own purpose and grace. He granted to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has made visible through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. For he has broken the power of death, and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is the good news. That Paul is reminding Timothy that you've been given these gifts, you've been given these abilities to probably lead. Timothy was probably gifted in teaching and in, in, in leadership because he was, he was leading this church and shepherding a, a body of believers. But Paul's reminding Timothy, he says, the greatest gift you received is not teaching, it's not you know, your ability to unpack a text, it's not your ability to lead people or care for people or shepherd people. He says, Timothy, the greatest gift you've received is salvation. It's the grace of God. It's the power of Christ to abolish death and to bring Bring life and immortality through this good news of the gospel, that all of us were broken beyond repair, that none of us could say a thing or do a thing to save our souls, but that Jesus Christ, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our failure, Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live the perfect life that none of us could live, to die the death that we all deserve because of our failure, and then he rose again on the third day to prove his power and authority over the sin and the failure that held us captive. Paul says, this isn't by your work, this isn't by your accomplishment. This isn't because you somehow proved yourself worthy of the love or the grace of God. It says this is a gift that the Lord has given to you because he is rich in mercy. That's what you've received. It says you have to remember this incredible gift, this foundation that God has built you upon. Not a foundation of your ability, your accomplishment, of what you've attained. It's a foundation of what he has accomplished on your behalf. For every single one of us, we have to remember that we are in desperate need of the grace of God. That even as we talk about forming healthy community, even as we talk about in a moment pursuing the, the goal of Christ, that every single one of us, we're going to continue to fail, we're going to continue to slip, we're going to continue to struggle. That every single one of us are in desperate need of the grace of God, of the power that only he can bring, the salvation that only he can offer of the mercy that he has generously bestowed upon us through Jesus Christ. That it's God alone who has provided restoration for our lives, for our origins, for our purpose, for our souls. So for some of us, that is the truth that we need to grab a hold of this morning, that we need to grab a hold of this week or this year that we are all products of grace. Some of us, we need to grab a hold of the grace of God, maybe for the very first time, to accept that Jesus Christ did what we could never do, that he has reconciled us to the Father, not asking for our work, but asking for our trust, asking only for our faith. For others of us, this is a truth that maybe we've grabbed a hold of, but, but maybe we've loosened our grip, or maybe it's something that we haven't really thought about for a while. Some of us, we need to come back 
to this faith. We need to come back to this realization that even though maybe last year was rough, that even as we look ahead, maybe we're filled with fear or doubt. But we need to remember that this life, it is built upon not our ability, not our accomplishment. This life is built upon what Christ has done on our behalf. We can accept, receive, and enjoy the restoration that God provides. We need to accept God's grace, his incredible, amazing, unlimited grace. It's what Paul needed to remind Timothy of. It's what we need to be reminded of, especially as we look ahead towards the goal and purpose of our life. After Paul spends some time talking about how God has prepared Timothy, he shifts gears in verse 13 and begins to talk about the purpose that God has given to Timothy and to all of us. He says, Timothy, I want you to hold to the standard of sound words that you've heard from me, and I want you to do so with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So protect that good thing entrusted to you through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He says, Timothy, I want you to protect, to guard this incredible news, this gospel. That's this good thing entrusted to you through the Holy Spirit. He says, you've been entrusted with the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and rose for the salvation of mankind. He says, Timothy, hold fast to that. Protect this. But don't only protect it for your sake, but instead, Paul actually goes on, I don't have it on the screen, but in chapter two, he tells Timothy in two, or chapter two, verse two, says, I want you to take what you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and then entrust that message to faithful people who will be competent to teach others as well. So Timothy, it's not just that you guard this, this message of the good news of, of Jesus Christ, but you share it. You, you hand it off. In chapter two, he talks, you're gonna take what you heard from me and you're giving it to someone else who's gonna give it to someone else, right? You're multiplying your life. You're spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through other people. In fact, as Paul closes the letter, he gives Timothy this kind of final charge in chapter four. He says, you, however, Timothy, be self-controlled in all things. Endure hardship, do an evangelist's work, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as an offering, and the time for me to depart is at hand, but I have competed well, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. In his closing charge to Timothy, Paul points Timothy to his own life, just as Paul had taught and educated and trained up Timothy over years of them walking alongside of one another, where Timothy, I'm sure, was learning a lot about the Lord and about how to minister through Paul's example. He says, look to my example even now. Look at my closing words. Timothy, remember that your life is not about you, that instead your life is about the Lord and his purpose. Your life should be spent for the sake of the gospel. That's what he lays out here. He says, Timothy, I've run this race. I've been poured out as an offering. I've kept this faith. This is the goal. This is the purpose that all of us have been given by the Lord, to live lives that are less about us and more about him, more about the spread of his good news, more about the spread of his gospel than our own comfort, than our own little kingdoms, than all the other distractions and things that we could spend all of our time building up, that bank account or, or, or that lifestyle or that reputation. Paul's reminding Timothy, he says, life isn't about that. It's not that all those things are bad, right? Responsibilities are good. And we should be good stewards of the resources God has given to us in finances or in relationships or, or in our work. 
says, but Timothy, I need you to remember that, that the ultimate goal of your life is not to build up these resources, is not to multiply this, this number. He says, Timothy, the goal of your life is that it would be poured out for the sake of the gospel. That's how we keep the faith. That's how we fulfill our ministry. Living lives according to the purposes of God which is wonderful. It's wonderful that the Lord has given to this to us because we all need purpose. We all know that, that we have a destination, that there's an end in sight. And so the Lord says, I, I've set this destination on your behalf. I've, I've given you the point on the horizon. I've given you your North Star. I've, I've mapped out the shore on the horizon. And it's to pour out your life for the sake of my glory and others' good. That's why Jesus told his disciples the greatest commandments is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that you would love your neighbor as yourself, that you would spend your life poured out for the glory of God and the good of others, that you would spend your life focused on fulfilling the ministry of the evangelist, of sharing the good news of what Christ has done on our behalf. Because we all are gonna reach that end. We're all headed there. When my wife and I were, were on our trip, one of the last legs of our drive uh, over the break for New Year's, we hit this storm. And it was only for a little bit of time. It really wasn't a big deal, but it was raining pretty hard. Uh, and as we were hitting this rain and really close to our destination, uh, our phones just started, meh, 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 and it was, we got an alert because there was a tornado warning. So the area that we were in in Louisiana, there was, there was a tornado uh, in that like parish, in that, in that county. And so uh, we, we get that news, it's like, meh, meh, meh. we're like, oh man, okay. Like, we'll just, you know, be careful, keep our eyes on the sky. Uh, and our daughter is, is getting a little worked up. Like, she's eight years old, so she's kind of worried. She's like, there's a tornado? Like, what does that mean? Like, I've seen tornadoes in, in school, I guess. Like, not in real life. She's eight. Uh, but she's like, I, you know, like, is, is it going to be nearby or what's going to happen? And even in that moment of kind of some fear and some, some frustration, uh, what was amazing is that uh, just shortly before that, like maybe 30 minutes before this kind of meh, meh, meh moment, uh, my wife had had a really beautiful and spiritual conversation with our youngest, who's almost four. And he, I don't know how it came up, but he was asking about uh, like heaven. He was like, what, you know, is heaven, is heaven real? And we're like, yes. He's like, mm, I go maybe, right? He's like, I'm not sold. He's like, but why do we need it? He's like, well, who goes to heaven? We're like, well, you know, if you trust in Jesus, then you get to go to heaven when you die. And, you know, that's where you go, and you can be with the Lord for all of eternity. And he's like, is death, dying is real? Like, who's going to die? He's like, I'm going to die? We're like, yes, technically. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But again, like the, the amazing thing is if you trust in Jesus Christ, then you, even though your body dies, then you get to go and be with God. You get to be with Jesus forever and ever. And so, so you get to live on even in heaven. You get to live on in heaven with the Lord. And he's like, okay, all right, all right, cool. All right, so again, let's go back 30 minutes later. My daughter's fretting and a little worried. She's like, there's a tornado? Like, where's the tornado? Like, how's a tornado? Like, why is a tornado? And in that moment, as she's expressing some of this doubt and fear, our four-year-old turns to her in the car and goes, we're all going to die, you know. <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> and so, you know, as a father, I'm like, yes. Hopefully not right now, right? But... <laughs> Still technically true. You're ready to preach, bud. Get on stage. Like, let's go. 
But it was a really great reminder for my children of, yeah, this is where we all have a destination. Like, we all are going to end. Like, death comes for all of us. And so when Paul is talking to Timothy, it's not a surprise that Paul's saying, like, oh, I'm reaching the end of my life. Like, that's expected. That's true for all of us. What's surprising, what's notable, what's incredible is that Paul says that as I reach my end, I can look back and I can recognize that my life has been spent well. That my life has been used as it should have been used. That I've been poured out as an offering. That's the hope that we have. That's the goal that we've been given. That we would be a people like Paul, able to look back at our lives, looking back at 2022 or, or in a year from now, looking back at 2023 and being able to say that, yes, my life was poured out for the sake of the Lord, for the sake of his purpose, for the sake of the work of the evangelist. So I'm not sure exactly where we're all coming from, and I don't know exactly where we're going. Right? I can't know that. I'm not even with you guys on a weekly basis. I, I don't know. But I know that the Lord has a destination in mind. I know that the Lord has been preparing every single one of us in different ways for his purpose. And so my hope is that actually even as we close this morning, that we would spend some time asking him for his direction, for his guidance, for his strength as we seek to live these lives according to his purpose. And the way we're going to do that uh, is, is a, a practice that we do from time to time over at Southwood. So I hope you'll just hang with me. Uh, but we're going to take a little bit of time to pray corporately. And so this is something that, that you can do uh, with just maybe you came with a couple people and y'all can huddle up and, and you can kind of pray and I'll give you some instruction in a moment. Or maybe, maybe you could even tap a few people around you that maybe you don't know and you can introduce yourself really quickly and say like, hey, let's, let's pray together. And, and my hope, my encouragement for you is that you, we would pray through a few specific things that we would share very briefly with one another where we feel the Lord is leading us in either our, our preparation. Maybe you're, you've got it heavy on your heart and mind. You're like, I, I need to find people or I need to build up this relationship. I need to find a new relationship. Like, you can be as specific or as vague as you desire. That's okay. I just ask that you be brief. But briefly share, this is maybe where the Lord is leading me in, in fil- building relationships and leaning on the body of Christ. Maybe it's, you share very briefly, this, you know, the Lord is really guiding me towards, towards understanding grace in a new way and accepting his grace in my life. Or, or maybe it's in, in acknowledging that, gosh, God has built me for a purpose and I, I'm beginning to see, or I want to pray that God would reveal to me opportunities to share my faith or to encourage fellow believers, to, to disciple or, or to challenge the people in my family or the people in my friend group. So again, you've got a lot of options and you've got a lot of people around you that aren't here by accident. So as I said, just tap a few people you know, around you. Can be people you know, can be people you don't. Briefly share, this is where the Lord is leading me and then let's take a few minutes to actually pray for one another. To pray that the Lord would show up, that he would give that guidance, that he would fill us with that power, that that he would reveal those opportunities to live according to his purpose. So find those people, share briefly, start praying, and I'll wrap us up in a few minutes. Ready, set, go.